Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. All right. In this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, Gary Fletcher is joined by Nairi, and they're going to have a conversation about the optimum team structures that entrepreneurs need for fast growth. So without any further ado, let me hand over to Nairi to start the conversation off. Thanks, Ivan. Hi, everyone. Hi, Gary. Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to because it's our first podcast together, isn't it? It is. It is. Exciting it is. stuff. Yes. Yeah. Not the last, though. No, I'm sure. I've got, well, I've got you to commit to at least these two, but uh, we've got some good ones planned for the rest of the year. So today we're going to cover, we're going to talk about team structure. I thought it was something really important for us to talk about because I know it's something that you're really passionate about and something that we look for as part of the investment process with with EHE. So I just wondered in the first instance, if you could just give a bit of an overview about why team structure is important for entrepreneurs and businesses that are looking for for fast growth and and what sort of things would you look out for? Okay, quite key. Keep me directed because I could talk for hours on the subject Mm. because it's critical and I've gone through it a couple of times myself. I think if you go back to what entrepreneurs are all about, it's often there they've come up with the idea themselves, whatever the idea, business strategy or whatever it is. And so they often start with themselves and they attack the, the challenge, if you like, doing most of the tasks themselves. That's where they start from. You hear the stories of your garage, your yeah, spare bedroom, etc. And that, that's where it all starts. And Many entrepreneurs often stay like that and maybe have one or two team members, but not many. And and that can be a really lonely place. And if you want to grow and you want to grow fast, you've got to actually put a team in place that can help you deliver that because no individual can do everything. That's a starting point. And no individual is good enough to do everything. So you need that team around you to grow. And the earlier the entrepreneur recognises that, the better. Okay, and that's really important principle, really, that it's like if a job's worth doing, I'll do it myself. I hear this a lot from early entrepreneurs. I've recruited people, but they're just not good enough or this, that and the other, and, and they left me because of. So there's an awareness that you need a team if you want to grow fast, otherwise it's going to be a long and torturous route. That's to be a recognition that those people don't want to be like you, that's the biggest mistake, that they recruit people like themselves. They need to come from a different perspective and recruit people better than you. It's easy to say that, but many entrepreneurs are, what's the word, nervous of really smart people, you know, book smart people who, who are better than them at things. They don't need to be nervous. They need to be grateful to get them on board. So I think they're the sort of starting points. If we're looking at growth capital, certainly EHE-focused area, then it would be too early stage for others to get involved with just the entrepreneur on their own. They need a team around them because it shows that they've been around for a while. They understand what fast growth is all about and they understand those basic principles I've just talked about, really. Okay, that's really useful. Thank you. I imagine one of the things for entrepreneurs that must be quite difficult is giving away a bit of that control, isn't it? And genuinely like bringing people in and trusting them to deliver against their own vision because it's your business, it's your baby, isn't it? And then suddenly you've got to give it to some other people. So trust must be a big element in that when building that team. 
I think it is. And I think that goes back to really good recruitment processes. So what I often hear is, you know, oh, I recruited that person, but they weren't really very good. Along, I had them for two years, but now to get rid of them. So that says they didn't recruit right in the first place. So recruitment process is, is really important. Sometimes it's, it's quite expensive to get the recruitment process right. And often entrepreneurs, you know, they're a bit tight for money early on, so they don't go through the, the right steps, if you like. But you need to forgive the profit to allow you to grow and to get the right team in place. So that might mean a headhunter, that might mean a person spec. What is it this person needs to have? The job spec can be just bullet points, what I need to rely on this person to do, and then go through interviews. Point other people to be part of your interview panel, presentation, et cetera, et cetera. So a good process can recruit good people. The other one is that I often find, and the best people I've recruited actually have returned the table on me. They've actually interviewed me because good people can choose and do choose. So one of the things that the entrepreneur has to ask himself or herself is, would I want to work with myself and my company? What's the story? Are you a miserable git who just annoys everybody, has, has an interesting attitude, shall we say, and your company's not really going anywhere? You've got to put your story together and attract. Good people will find you and they will interview you and ask all the right questions. And if you don't go to the mark, they won't join you. So the best talent, that's what you find, really. Brilliant. What's your, do you have a kind of preferred method of recruitment? Would you always advocate using a headhunter and, and recruitment consultants? Or I think, you can, I think you can go different routes. You've got LinkedIn, you've got lots of you know, different routes in. Because you need to get a few people. I've made mistakes to recruiting people I know, okay, which is good because you can you know their character, but it also can be bad because you don't see what the market can offer. So you need to, whatever recruitment mechanism you use, I do use a headhunter and it is expensive, but I've found you get the best people and you cast the net wide. So the last one I've done recently is a CEO for a company and I think they went 100 wide, narrowed it down to 15, I interviewed seven. And then I narrowed it down to three to the final presentation, having done some personality profiles, et cetera, et cetera. And I had more than me on the panel to make sure that my biases were balanced. That's interesting. And I suppose that you're aware of your biases as well then, so that you can make sure that you're bringing people in that kind of complement those. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think the entrepreneur needs to, you know, whoever you recruit, you've got to understand themselves first. What are they really good at? What do they add value at? And once they understand that, then they need to plug the gaps. And the gaps yeah. can be fairly obvious. So first one that's normally in is the finance director. And actually many private equity companies often only incentivize the CEO stroke entrepreneur, which often is, uh, and the finance director. They see them as the two most important people. And I say incentivize, that's generally equity in the company. And going back to your point, trust. So the best path, I think, is if you are recruiting those people, is don't gift it to them. They have to pay for it and earn it for days, six months, 12 months, maybe 18 months. 
they've performed, settled well into the company, and then reward with the equity. Real. I feel like this might be a bit of a loaded question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I don't know if there's a right answer or not. But in your opinion, is there an optimum team structure for a business that is looking to grow quickly? So you mentioned a finance director. Are there other things that you would always look for or does it depend on the business and the industry? It does depend on the business and industry, but they tend to fall into various categories. You generally have your leader, CEO, entrepreneur, although I have seen a smart CEO, entrepreneur back out, knowing that they're not good enough to lead it. So they stay on the board as a non-exec or chairman. So they can come out of the executive role. They really know themselves, and I think they're really smart. But anyway, let's just go for the norm. So you normally have the entrepreneurs, the CEO, and an FD. You generally have someone to do with sales and marketing, and they are becoming, uh, not becoming, always critical. You had to correct yourself then, didn't you? (laughs) You knew I was going to step in. (laughs) They are critical. In fact, all the companies I've, I've been involved in, they're the most important people because if that top line comes in, those sales, it's a happy company. You're flying. If, if they don't, then you've got to cut things, and that's not good. That's not fast growth. So I spent an enormous amount of time recruiting good sales and marketing people. And actually, these days, sales and marketing is a, is a misnomer. You need different people in sales and different people in marketing. And it tends to be e-commerce, digital, social media. These days, it's not the old-fashioned newspapers and marketing agencies but anyway so sales and marketing is critical Mm -hmm. you generally have an ops operations and that can be different in different environments and if you're property back restaurants or holiday companies you'd have someone who looks after property and i personally would like to see them all incentivized i don't like ceo and fd i think that's shallow not balanced and not a fun place do you mean so, with equity when you say incentivized? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've seen situations where a couple of companies that I've ran and they've all had it. When another private equity company has taken over, they've just incentivized the CEO and FD and taken those others off the board. Wow. Massively demotivating, not yeah. clever and not balanced, actually, because they all are really important. Yeah. So it's that sort of thing. They'll vary. Other industries might have one too or no, it's interesting. And I think like we joke about, about sales and marketing, obviously I'm glad you you put it in there. But I think for me, having somebody that's responsible for marketing on the board equals somebody that's responsible for the customer or who's always going to champion the customer. And if you've got the, understood the customer's needs and you're delivering something that they want, you're halfway there for the sales, aren't you? So I am biased. <laughs> I always like to see somebody that's a chief customer officer or customer champion or, or something that at that level. Are there any kind of mistakes or things to avoid when entrepreneurs are putting their senior management team or an optimum team structure together, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest one is interference. Okay. So one of my one of my titles to a book I wrote about a company was Freedom to Achieve. Mm-hmm. And the reason that was basically when you recruit good people, you need to give them freedom to achieve. You get these job descriptions that ramble on page after page about nebulous rubbish. What am I relying on you to achieve? So I used to make it really – everyone used to have about four or five bullet points that 
I and the company relied on them to deliver. And picking up sales, so my sales marketing was, right, your job, 10 million sales, okay? And you've got one or two ideas of how you're going to deliver that, but that's what I'm relying on you to get this year. That's the job, okay? And a couple of other bits and pieces that go with that. So they need to give them the broad picture and direction and then leave them, because of their expertise, to deliver, freedom to achieve the, the goal or the target or the metric, don't interfere. And one of the biggest issues I see is the CEO or the entrepreneur interfering with that process, telling them what they should be doing or shouldn't be doing. Now, the reason you recruited them or made all that trouble in the first place is because they were better than you. They're the best in the market that you can get. Well, trust them to deliver them. Don't interfere. And that's a really common, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's the arrogance, actually, if you think about it, of thinking they can do better. Yeah. That's why they interfere. That's why it's always important to set the goals and allow them to do it. And the conversations that I used to have in it and fast growth with company was, I used to have a one-to-one meeting with them, which was, what do you need to do better? That's the question we started the meeting with. I'm asking that to them. Not, I think you should be doing this and this. Now, look, there's always a bit of crossover there, but principally that's that's what you need. And I think the other big one, so that's one, the mm-hmm. other big one is if you're in a high-growth company and high-performing company, you can't tolerate incompetence. Okay, so I'm not proud of this, but... One of the companies uh, developed, I think I had three finance directors, four sales and marketing directors, one development director, and two ops directors in a 10-year period. And the reason is that because you're growing so fast, the, the person that takes you from A to B can't always get you to C and D. It's their mindset that they keep doing the same things, but the business has changed. 